The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the APC Podcast here. Alex Patakis, Ben Foldy, and Zach Rapport here with you. Coming to you from the Craig Newmark School of Journalism with assistance from Chad Bernhardt. Our, uh, I don't know. I don't, he's not our engineer, but he's, he always helps us out. So. He is. He's doing us a solid each and every engineer. week. He's an engineer. Uh, so we appreciate his time. We're here to answer a very simple question. Are the Packers bad? And we're going to get to that uh, after we give some note nugs and dive into some other things. From the Packers' loss to the Detroit Lions, they are now 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Definition of average, I guess. Tied with the Browns. Tied with the Cleveland Browns. Just like we Who, all thought. It Just was like pointed out to me be. last night. The Browns have had all five possible outcomes of NFL games in their season so far. Overtime win, overtime loss, win, loss, and tie. It's wow. kind of amazing. That is pretty incredible. Uh, they've also had three overtime games, which in itself is crazy to think about. Like, that's how close they could be to being the Browns are actually okay yeah they're actually okay um but anyway uh disappointing loss on many fronts Mason Crosby one of the worst days in kicking history since 1980 I think it's been uh since somebody missed four field goals and an extra point did he burn the shoes or what have we done with those I have no he changed shoes mid-game there was a lot of things going wrong considering uh Graham Gano Graham Gano right Graham Gano yeah yeah not Gordon I always I always make that mistake Gordon Gecko, maybe you're thinking? No, Gordon Gano, the lead <laughs> okay. singer of the Violent Femmes. It's a uh, Milwaukee thing. You know, he hit a 63-yarder to win that crazy game, yeah. and, and we couldn't make an extra point. Couldn't make an extra point. He did, uh, he did trash his cleats, by the way. He didn't say he burned them, but he threw them away. Oh, Good. Great. <laughs> they don't wear new cleats that'll, every game anyway. That's like, it's it. like there's some. There's, it's like that could have set up some reverse like like Mike movie where some kid just <laughs> takes Mason Crosby's like cursed cleats and can't kick a field goal ever again. There, I I would be surprised if most kickers didn't wear the same shoes. Oh, all kickers! The time. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I guess they they get and it's a comfort level with one the same on, boot. One on one foot and one on the other. Yeah, like, they they never they never have matching boots. There's always like a kicking boot and a standing boot. After after three missed, I thought he should try barefoot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. why not? Maybe we're spending too much time on Mason Crosby's shoes. Well, we'll Moving on, although we'll come, we'll come it was a pretty big part of the game. Oh yeah, no, it was huge. Um, and I think we could probably just wrap that discussion up uh, in a very similar fashion to Aaron Rodgers answering questions. He's one of the best kickers that there's ever been, certainly in Packers history. He's probably allowed to have a bad day. I know Ben, you said that when we were texting too. And we'll move on and just assume he's not going to continue to have those issues. All right, can we agree? Yeah, the leash might be short. 
Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But he's was... been broken before. Like, don't forget the Giorgio Tobecchio, Sergio Tobecchio thing. Uh, like, when he couldn't miss, make a kick on family Sergio. night. Like, Mason Crosby is susceptible to having these, like, just off days and then going. And I think he had one of his best seasons in history, if I'm not mistaken, after like, he won that kick. There night. are more good kickers on the market than there have ever been. And they get cut faster than they've ever been. Like, I am just saying. I don't want to dive into the, the leash is shorter. Yeah. The leash is shorter. That's but all I'm but I'm, I'll say this, Alex. You are you are you know taking the position of Mason Crosby being one of the best ever, and there are taksters out there. There is a there is a camp on Packers Twitter who will die on the hill of Mason Crosby as a barely above average kicker. Really, they're out there. I would, but I think we should move on. But I they're would, out there. I would okay. be. I like. I don't think Mason Crosby is like a particularly special kicker. Like, I think he's a fine kicker. He's a pretty accurate kicker. But his distance is nothing to write home about. And so when that accuracy leaves, like it did yesterday, uh, Sunday. Um, Talking toes with ugh. Alex and Zach. Yeah. Here we are. Anyway, we'll just, we'll move on from Mason Crosby for now. But my, okay. my hackles are. Ugh. Yeah. All right. I feel like we've spent more time talking kicking than the Packers even have at this yeah. point. It's just That's like, true. Um, anyway, well, we got hackles. It will feed into so. a larger point, though. But let's, let's hit on note nugs first. Uh, let's do that. Uh, by the way, you can reach us at any point with your note nugs or whatever you want to say uh, on Twitter at Alex Patakis, at Ben Foldy, at Zach Rapport, and at the APC Pod. Uh, and the APC Podcast at gmail.com is where you can uh, reach us via email. Yes. Correct. Shout out to uh, listener Ted who emailed us recently. We had a nice little back and forth. That's right. Uh, thanks, Ted. I, uh, I remember seeing that. Um, so, yeah. I responded. Well, there you go. <laughs> you always have it covered. You do the dirty work here on the podcast. Uh, all it's right, true. note nugs from the uh, from the divisional loss to the Lions. Uh, ben, what's your notable nugget? My notable nugget was Jimmy Graham kind of had not a good day, and it was frustrating when I just rewatched the game. I was like, Jimmy Graham, like I know we're all supposed to make a lot of excuses for Jimmy Graham's blocking, but he tried to cut block on a screen on a cornerback and failed. And I wanted to be like, you have a foot on that guy. You have like 40 pounds on that guy. There's no excuse for you to be mailing it in that bad on a block. And then two plays later, he drops it like a touchdown. He's not horrible. He does kind of what he's supposed to do. Were there two drop touchdowns? Because one, one was a terrible throw by Aaron Rodgers. No, there was one that legit went through his hands. All right. And that whole drive, rewatching, I was like, Jimmy Graham kind of sucks. I sometimes. do wonder how much of. The uh, the knee maintenance issue is is really mo- a more severe injury, and they're just not for Graham? talking about it. Yeah, no, he's been he's been sitting out of practice. I don't know if you watch some. <laughs> he's never good. He's never been good at blocking. Yeah, but but there's a few. There's he a f- mails it in so obnoxiously that you just want to be like like I'm not gonna do a shack like come on, man, or whatever. I can't remember who does come on, man. But it's like, I think it was an ESPN segment, right? It's kind of like Monday that. Like, there's it a definitely kind of... was not Shaq. But <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Shaq has his other thing. It was Shaq very has football his, like, related. follies or whatever. You're I thinking of... Uh, Shaq, Shaq and a Fool. No, Shaq and a Fool is what it Shaq is. Shaq and a Fool. It's Shaq and a Fool. It's all the same all right. segment. Yeah. It's just called something different. Yeah. No matter the sport, no matter the network, it's all the same. But anyway, that's my, that's my nugget, is but, that... Okay. He's never been good at blocking, but maybe he's always been hurt. There were there were just I, I would just just, just to play devil's advocate. There were a few plays where I felt like his legs like they looked like they did not work. If he can go up and make those catches, he can 
engage a cornerback in a block. On I the just screen. don't think he wants to. No, that There's is 100% a, yeah. what I think. I just and, think he's not in the business of doing that. And especially that. in a game where everything already seems to be going wrong, and I'll come back to this point again later, too, but, uh, you know, don't mail it in. You're, you're, you're the veteran. You're the guy who's, who the young, the young bucks are supposed to be looking up to on how to, like, play every play like it matters. And, and, and also, the, the one where he screwed up this block, I think it was third, it was third and 22. It was third and more than 20. And they ended up converting on fourth down the next play. And they threw a screen instead of just running the ball? No, they, they, Interesting. they, they picked up like wow. 11, <laughs> 11 to 14 yards on a screen, and they would have had more if Jimmy oh, Graham made his blocking in the field. stupid Yeah, that was block. bad. Like that was bad. Yeah, you know anyway. he really he shouldn't rest on his laurels because Big Bob Tanyan is waiting in the wings, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> actually, and Kendrick's had a good game too. But I digress. Yeah. Anyway, somebody else's notable nug. So my jumping off point is going to be a Patrick Claybon tweet that I saw over the weekend, uh, where he said, "Years into it, I've yet to see a taunting penalty that helped the game at all," and I thought that was really poignant. So Tony Brown a practice squatter who was added to the active roster midweek. The guy breaks up a pass, stands over the defender for, I don't know, like two beats maybe. And you know he doesn't say anything because he's got a goddamn mouth guard in (laughs) and there's a flag. And I just don't, what are we doing here? Like, what are you guarding against? What is that penalty for? I don't understand. I I do not understand. The idea is to cut down on like the sort of bad blood games getting out of hand, people throwing dirty shot stuff that, like, can happen. You know, like, you don't have Jalen Ramsey pissing off A.J. Green to the point that A.J. Green choke slams Jalen Ramsey. But that's, first off, never caused by someone standing over somebody. Yeah. Right. And yeah. second off, call it consistently. If you go back to that game, first quarter, Aaron Rodgers converts third and five-ish, I think. It's the one where he runs to the, he, he runs outside and kind of gets pulled down as he's getting to the first down. And you'll see if you rewatch that, Christian Jones stands over Aaron Rodgers longer than Tony Brown stands over whoever it was, a Golden Tater, whoever. And Christian Jones didn't even stop Aaron Rodgers from converting. Like he didn't even make the play that he was supposedly gloating over. He's like, yeah, I yanked down a scramble, uh, like a a quarterback on one leg after he scrambled for five yards on a third down. Like, look at me. Yeah. It's like, oh, God damn it. That is dumb. That is really dumb. I just I, think that they're you know, legislating personality out of the game under the guise of sportsmanship, and I think it's really disingenuous, and it sucks when it affects the ball game. Yeah. It's really annoying. No fun league. And there's no consistency, like you said. Like, I never would have thought twice about throwing the flag there when you see all the other things that don't go. Fl- like, guys, like, hint at fighting and don't get flagged. It's just like, oh, let's break it up. Like, that wasn't even that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just not sure I've ever seen a taunting penalty that I didn't feel was like at least a little bit bogus at yeah. its core. Yeah. <laughs> just I agree. a stupid Well it's like rule. yeah, I don't understand why you can you get a sack and you can like, you know, dance around for minutes on end and then like you literally as you're getting up look down at somebody and that's a flag. I don't anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the only explanation is if he said something out of line, but like you said, it, it's very unlikely one if you watch it too. Like he had a mouth guard in and it's very yeah, it just it just didn't happen. The the one know. the one instance where I'll say like maybe you could throw a, a taunting flag is if you are the ref and you hear two people like jawing on the field and you just hear something that you think is right. is like flatly flatly out of line. Maybe then you could throw a flag. But yeah. beyond that, I don't I don't know. I mean, you do. I, I like. I am sympathetic to the refs having, 
you know, being proactive to keep a game from getting into a bad blood territory where people start throwing cheap shots. Like I can, I can be sympathetic to that. My but problem I, is not I don't with think the refs. That's what was happening there at all. My problem is with the with the spirit of that rule. I have a lot of sympathy for refs who are asked to do an increasingly difficult, more difficult job. It gets harder every every year. But I think that the spirit of that rule, like I said earlier, is it's just disingenuous. Yeah, and it is funny too because you know, like. We we blame the refs, but like, do you think the refs like get the memos like after they they make all these rule changes in the off season? And they're like, damn it! Like we're adding like basically the NFL is just doing everything they can to add more like judgment calls into the game. Like the helmet rule, like that's not a black and white rule. No. Like they're doing everything that like the refs now have to think about so many things and make so like it used to just be pass interference that mm-hmm. wasn't like really black and white. We've added like six things now. That like leaves so much room for error. Like no. it's just so dumb. Like, Did he why make a are we adding? Move? Yeah, man, it's so. It's, hashtag it's football standing, move. Hashtag standing over somebody is like after you make a play is apparently not a football move. I mean, so. to me that is though. Like no, if you're I know, gonna be a defensive back like in, in a in you know like it's a swag driven position. Any defensive back who's any good gets compared to Deion Sanders. You think Deion Sanders isn't gonna like make a play and do something? Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's no. so dumb. Uh, anyway, okay, uh, my notable nugget, uh, playing off the secondary, a shorthanded one, which is probably why we saw Tony Brown get some action to begin with. Yep. Coming into the game, I thought, Whitehead inactive. Jair Alexander, I know he plays a different position, but just in general, a lot of guys out. I thought for sure we'd see Josh Jones. I think it's worth noting uh, because he came out on Packers Clubhouse Live and was kind of like edgy and seemed a little disgruntled about his lack of playing time on defense. Uh, and said something like, you're not going to draft, I'm paraphrasing here, but you're not going to draft a guy in the second round uh, to not play him. And I, I understand if, if the Packers feel like, all right, you know what? Whitehead has actually been like kind of skyrocketing. He's like picking it up in practice, this, that, and the other. But with him inactive, for Josh Jones still not to be on the field, I don't know what the issue is, but there is clearly a, a very serious issue. And I don't know if it's with his play if it's like the mental thing or like the new scheme. Um, but this was a guy who at times last year proved that he could be pretty impactful. And we all kind of thought was going to be someone, you know, a force to be reckoned with on a defense that doesn't really have any proven players at yeah. the positions that we can slot him into. Well, and it like, has a lot of weakness yeah. at those positions. Yeah, that's Dime the most linebacker. mystifying Safety thing. and linebacker. Like, it's not like there's a shortage. There's no shortage. There, there is a shortage of bodies there. Right. And, and, and there's and a ways, reason, and in ways that he could fix too. Like one of the things I noticed while rewatching the game is that Detroit almost got no ground game going between the tackles. All of their ground game was running off the off off tackle, and Antonio Morrison is not cutting it. Oh no, those. he's not a sideline to sideline linebacker. And Oren Burks actually way. looked pretty all right. Yeah, but if you want to spell Oren Burks, like where's Josh Jones? That was supposed to be Josh Jones. I don't anyway. Yeah, I don't I don't really get it. And uh, Peter Bukowski at uh, uh, AcmePackingCompany.com wrote a piece on this, I think today, that I, I read on the way over here. And it was interesting because he said, like, if if the Packers knew Josh Jones couldn't play or that he wasn't going to factor in, then how, like, could they possibly go into a game or go into the season, right? Like, when veterans are being cut, like, after the 53-man cut and everything, without adding some safety depth. Yeah. because that basically means that they acknowledge, like, we're going into a 16-game season where the injury rate is basically 100% with Clinton Dix, Whitehead, and Kentrell Bryce. And that's mystifying. That feels negligent. The article so, is, uh, why are the Packers refusing to put 
Josh Jones on the field. Yeah, and that's I guess that's today. my no nuggets. It's just like there is an answer to that. We don't know it, and I always caution against like us acting like we know more than coaches. I'm sure there's a reason, but I would love to know that reason. You, you know, know who like, else might look good somewhere in there? Demarius Randall. <laughs> not to like, not to rehash an old war. Right. But no, like, I get it. Yeah. He's been having a good season for Cleveland. Or uh, Carolina Panthers safety, Eric Reed. I mean, there's so Eric many Reed guys also. you can yeah, even yeah. list. I mean, there were like the safety market was notoriously slow. Yep. Like there were guys out there. Could have been Morgan Burnett. That are now on other teams. Although um, I don't know if that's like, I don't think Morgan Burnett's doing that well in Pittsburgh, but. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so either, but whatever. Yeah. I'm saying like. There, yeah, yeah. It seemed like, okay, Morgan Burnett contract year, we spent a second round pick on a guy. There's a succession plan, and now that's just totally scrapped. But anyway, uh, all right. So uh, we said at the beginning of the podcast we were going to answer a question. Are the Packers bad? Uh, First off, the APC pod on Twitter, we put up a poll uh, of that. Plenty of votes. So what do the people say to our very simple question, are the Packers bad? 560 people uh, wrote in. 60% say yeah. 40% say nope. So 60-40 are on the, they're bad. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, I don't even know where to begin I'm to answer I'm surprised this. by that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was too, actually. Um, I'm a little surprised because I think that you can ask that question and get a lot of yes about maybe like, I don't know, 25 to 28 teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. And there was, you know, a week ago, like some people might have answered yeah to the Patriots even. And then they go and do like what we think they should have done yeah. on a Thursday night to a team that couldn't even field 48 active players. Man, Josh Gordon would have come in handy uh, this week, though. Yeah. Let me tell you that. Yeah. On that on that note, my favorite response that we got was from uh, from my buddy Joe Tomchak in Milwaukee saying, they're not not good or not not bad, but they're not as not good as they seem like they are. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I think the weird thing about the Lions game was just that, the, uh, obviously, at the beginning, it's just like anything that could go wrong went wrong, right? And then they kind of started to mount this comeback and you started to think like, oh, Rodgers is going to beat another team in the NFC North in just like incredibly dramatic fashion. Um, but they they couldn't pull it off. But at one point, I was confident they were going to. So if I think they're good enough to do that, I guess I don't necessarily think that they're bad. But there seems to be like this disjointedness, whatever, to like the Packers might coach a really good game and Aaron Rodgers doesn't play one or Aaron Rodgers might play one, but it's within a scheme that he's like not necessarily in love. Like I can't get over the whole like Rodgers McCarthy thing. Like I look at this game and I think it's another example aside of all the weird shit that happened. Now like Packers Twitter is turning on Rodgers and being like, he's the reason that we didn't win this game. Yeah. I've seen a lot of uh, gifts and screenshots of Rodgers sort of uh, apparently according to the analysis of, of these people, Sort of not taking his checkdowns, missing open guys, basically kind of doing things in spite of the offensive scheme. In the first half, I would say that that's almost definitely true. I rewatched every play, coach's film, slowed it down. Rodgers missed a lot of open guys, held the ball too long, yeah. made questionable at best decisions. I mean, just, I mean, talk about holding the ball too long. I mean, like, ugh. but um, hackles, your hackles and, are up. And and unfortunately, I actually, like, I saw a lot of people complaining about McCarthy, and I think this is actually one of the best called games I can, I, this might be the best called game this season. I sincerely believe that. I think this is my favorite thing about football is that I, I'm sure you're right, but there's also people who watched it and were like, this is it, he needs to be fired Well, no, right exactly. You and I think I mean? for like, some it's... people, this comes down to this question of coaching, right? Like, is it your coach's fault if your players don't execute? And I think that's like a valid question. But I don't think that schematic questions are 
valid after valid. this game. No, not not. Today. I agree. There were guys running wide open, and then, like the most obvious. I mean, there was a. I saw Aaron Nagler tweeted out. I think like Devontae Adams had a drag route that came open late. He was like wide open. There's so many plays where guys are just like standing in the middle of the field. Yeah, and it's not like Rodgers isn't like aware and isn't going to see them. Like this is a guy who like no. I mean, he knows as much about the scheme as the coach, as anybody else. Yeah. But it feels like, okay, so here's, here's I guess, what, I, what I'm thinking is that when McCarthy calls a good game or, like, schemes a good game, but Rodgers, like, default setting coming into that game is him expecting him not to, like, that for some reason there's just, like, it doesn't equate. There's a lot of eye-rolling like in the Rogers, first couple series. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's totally capable of playing within a structure of an offense. We saw it. We saw it against the Bears, and he had to do it because he was hurt. Yeah. And also, he's like one of the best quarterbacks ever. So how I could he I forget who, but someone else called that out on Twitter where it was like the, the best example of, of Rodgers playing within the scheme this year is the second half of the Bears game. But it's like he doesn't want to. Second half of this game, actually, wasn't, it wasn't too bad either. Yeah. But why does it take them being down for him to well, be yeah. resigned to the fact that like, okay, I guess now I gotta I'm just going to like throws. make a quick read and just get rid of the football. And also, I know, I know that like we've dropped this, but they should have had an additional 13 points. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, can we just... No, of like, course. You can blame Mike McCarthy all you want, but when you move the ball up and down the field well enough to miss four field goals and still score 23 points, like, you have called a pretty good game. Agreed. Like, yeah. And even on defense, they called a pretty good game. Yeah. I mean, the def- like, and, and I know we're probably going to come back to this because I think earlier today you texted us that this is not a top five unit. I don't know if I'd say it's a top five unit, but I think your, your implication was that the Packers defense is not actually good. And I think we should come. If back I had that. to, if we were doing that, yeah, I, uh, I, maybe, maybe we're mis, maybe we're like misrepresenting what your opinion was. I yeah. just brought up like top five in terms of like yardage. You said that volume sets are dumb, which I agree with. But I think like I, I guess my thing is like we always talk about going back to Rogers. Rogers with a good enough defense is means you're going to win. They, ha- I think right now they have a good enough team. Like I agree. you could be mad at McCarthy, or you could be mad at Rodgers if you want after this last game. Like uh, the only person I can say like I'm like pretty pleased with is Mike Pettin, and it's and it's mainly because he's doing it with some not great personnel. Yeah. I agree with that like, too. I mean, I think they're being very very serviceable with some shit yeah. out there on the field, and that tells me like if he had a lot of talent, like I think this defense has a chance to be great. And the, and the other thing that's weird about that is rewatching the game, I think the cornerback is the best group on the defense. Isn't it so <laughs> weird? Far. Like, why do they By play so far. fucking well? And they're the best in run defense, too. I mean, it's crazy. And Kevin King just came back. He's been banged up. And they were missing Jair Alexander, who might actually be their best corner yeah. in a matter of, like, I don't know, a season or two. Once, like, I mean, he's, like, arriving yeah. to be the best corner well on the Well on team. his way. Yeah. Anyway. It's weird. It's very strange. Coming back to you. Sorry. <laughs> We gotta start saying names and stop saying you because they, Zach. There we go. Zach, uh, we said <laughs> you do not I, think I the said, defense holds up. Yeah, you, let's you, let's. Uh... It's not that I don't think the defense holds up. I think there's a lot to be optimistic about this defense. By far, over the the last few years, this has been the most enjoyable defense to watch for sure. But everyone was, um, everyone was sort of lauding them this week when when after this game they took a big jump in the in the volume stats, the yards per game, all that stuff, they're, you know, top five in some, in some metrics, uh, well within the top 10 in others. And I just think that a volume stats are bullshit at the end of the season. They're, they're, they're 
still not totally reliable. Certainly right now, there's not enough of a body of evidence to make them reliable statistics at all. And to me, they don't necessarily, it doesn't pass the, the eye test when you really watch the game. Now, that is not me saying that this is a bad defense. I think it's a good defense. It just, it's, it's definitely a good enough defense, which is very exciting for me because we haven't had a good enough defense in a long time. I mean, I, I, the thing since me, like 2010. Yeah, there are there are teams getting it done with bad defenses right now. Kansas City's undefeated. They have a bad defense. Yeah, and if the pa- if if Kansas City had the Packers defense, they would still be undefeated. But they would also be better at football. <laughs> and so, so maybe this is a little bit of me being like, well, actually, guy, when everyone is like wanting to like heap praise on the defense, but I'm just saying, hold your horses. We'll 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 know how good they are yeah. down the stretch. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, they by yardage and things like that, they had a really good day against the Lions. I mean, the Packers doubled the Lions in yardage, yes. but it's also because of all the short fields they were given. Defense I mean, is not the reason they lost the defense, this game. The defense also did get lucky a couple times, uh, yeah. particularly on the free play. There was a free play with a drop where Tremont Williams kind of stopped running at the end. Yes, and it was the one where uh, Kenny Clark and somebody else got. Pulled off sides. Yeah, Stafford missed a few. Is that, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, so it, it really could have gone either way, but I think the defense didn't, the defense definitely didn't cost them this game. And I, I mean, I guess like when I say cost the game, like the thing that jumps to my mind is Mason Crosby literally cost them the game. And I know that's like weird and that's like annoying to, to have to like swallow a game so frustrating and so innervating with. Well, if Mason Crosby just made the kicks that he should make, this like we wouldn't be having this conversation. But here we are, obviously having this yeah. conversation. And I guess, I guess, going back to what you were bringing up about Rodgers and McCarthy and kind of trust. I mean, I think also Rodgers not trusting the young guys, which is probably to be expected. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting. Yes, he's help. out there with Devontae Adams and a bunch of guys that he also didn't practice with for the majority of the week, right? Yeah. Because he's also been missing a lot of practice. At least we should say majority of the season yeah. because of his knee. And and I think, I mean, one thing that I, I relented on a bit uh, re-watching the game is uh, during the game, I was like, where's Aaron Jones? Where's Aaron Jones? Rewatching the game, Jamal Williams was fine. Aaron Jones was fine. Not the reason the game was won or lost. The one thing I would say is that Aaron Jones opened up a little more in play action than Jamal Williams did, but I don't like personnel decision wise. I don't think that was on McCarthy either. And you I don't. Do, so you don't because I, I mean, was going to say that's I do something think that we playing should... your best players is a good idea generally. <laughs> generally, <laughs> but I I also don't think that Jamal Williams is enough of a step down from Jones that defense. You know that that it really changes the outcome of a drive. I mean, it's weird because I feel like there are some people who are so angry about this, and I, I find it impossible to have, like, a, an unbiased opinion as someone who owns Aaron Jones in fantasy. I was also <laughs> starting Aaron Jones in a different league. By the way, I have Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara had 11 touches, so we're talking about two running backs who are probably the best on their team and just not getting fed. So everyone who's like, look at Sean Payton and how he feeds his running backs. Like, there are some games Alvin Kamara doesn't get the ball, and he could be a freaking MVP from what we saw for the four weeks. But... I mean, it is a big narrative. Mike McCarthy was asked about it. He's going to continue to be asked about it. He does the whole, like, there's more to the position. But I also did see uh, people pointing out that Aaron Jones's uh, pass protection grades have been just as good, if not better, than the likes of Jamal Williams. And they're Ty fine. Montgomery I mean, they're, they're, they're both good. I, like, honestly, I, I honestly think that they're both good. And I, and I do think that Williams was actually running pretty well between the tackles and decently on screens, too. I, I'll say this. 
I think they all three clearly have a role in this offense and probably deserve to have one. Um, if you're going to be mad at McCarthy on like who he puts on the field, fine. Like regardless of who's on the field, like my desire is that he knows how to use them better. Cause I also still think like, even with Aaron Jones on the field, like, yes, he might be their best guy running the ball right now, but like that's him just getting more carries in a game. Isn't going to like, you know, please me. I, I like use them better. Yeah. I guess be more creative in the passing game. And again, maybe this isn't a great game to point that out. Yeah, I think this is such a weird game to But if you're going to have all these guys and they're all like have these different skills, then like they should be, I don't know. I just feel like there's still so much to be desired out of that position on this yeah. team. And it's impossible to watch James White and Sony Michelle and all those guys and then to watch, you know, uh Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram or Todd Gurley and all like th- there is Saquon Barkley like you can your running back could be a dynamic part of your entire offense well, and not that, just somebody who like you know, is restoring balance to your to your offense. Yeah. What's, what's really frustrating for me is that I don't think we've yet gotten to see what Mike McCarthy envisions the 2008 Green Bay Packers offense 18, to look yeah. like. Or 2000, what did I say? 2008. Woo, 2018 offense to look like. Yeah, um, no, I think that's true. Just have, has, has, it was just like, Shot in the foot from the from the word go. I actually, I, I thought his interview actually did a pretty good job of clearing that up. Yeah, and talking I, about Tom I, Silverstein's interview. Yeah, with him. he was really yeah. he he really for me reading that interview and then watching that game, I was very sympathetic to the Mike McCarthy side of of the uh, interpretive ledger. Yeah. All right. So, do we trust them to get it on track? I guess. I mean, I trust them to beat the Niners. Okay. Fair. Can we can we, can we put we, a bow on it by by giving your answer? Do you think the Packers are bad? I do not think the Packers are bad. No. I think the Packers are fine. I think that nobody else in the NFC North has convinced me that they're much better than the Packers. I don't think the Bears are good. I don't think the Lions were as good as the Packers made them look on the scoreboard the other day. You know, I mean, talk about a team that has trouble playing their best players, too. I mean, carry on. Like, I'd be much madder if we had carry on Johnson and LeGarrette Blunt and we're having this conversation than I am uh, with the situation that we have. I don't think. And, and the Vikings are also kind of a miss. Yeah. No, Not there's a mess, a, but like. Yeah. I, I don't think the Packers are bad. I yeah. don't. I think they're about as average and disjointed as most teams in the NFL right now, because yeah. I don't think anyone's found their stride. Like the Eagles do not look good. No. And they were like a great team. The Vikings don't look particularly good. They're supposed to be a really, really good. I mean, the only team. Some teams look like active garbage. Everyone's crapping their pants about Sean McVay. And last last year's Sean McVay was Doug Peterson, who this year, mm, they're not doing so hot. Right, exactly. And that's not to say he's a bad coach. He's obviously a very good coach. I do think it's safe to to look around the league and be jealous of some kind of offensive scheme innovation. Absolutely. Um, And I don't think anybody's making that argument. And And I think a lot of the Packers coaching staff is kind of getting to the end of their generation's like usefulness. And yeah. I and I have to imagine that that Gudekunst knows that, right? Like yes. he's a new GM. He knows that he has inherited some old dudes on the coaching staff. And he also has to like I there's no world in which he's not looking around for like young talent the next to coaches. start scooping yeah. up. Yeah. Um anyway. Yeah. But I know the Packers aren't bad. God damn it. No, I think they could beat anybody and lose to anybody, yeah. which is the most cop out answer ever. But that's like, that's one that's just like the NFL. And two, like, 
their defense can play well enough and Aaron Rodgers can be Aaron Rodgers when he's not like just totally disinterested in whatever Mike McCarthy went into a game with. And they can blow teams out. They have Pittsburgh Steelers syndrome. They can beat anyone or lose to anyone. There is a difficult stretch coming up, right? Like when there's Niners and bye week. That's a that's a very nice stretch. And then I like that stretch. <laughs> and then and then am I am I wrong? Is it not Rams and Patriots then yeah. mm-hmm. back? Like, or I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the order is, but I'm pretty sure. Well, speaking of Peter Bukowski, who we mentioned earlier, he also wrote a piece this week uh, that you guys can read on acmepackingcompany.com about those games week eight and nine against the Rams and both on the road Patriots. too. Both yeah, road. both on the yeah. road, saying that like those are two. Those are two games that in which McCarthy could be coaching for his job. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it yet. You I don't just buy don't. It yet? I don't. I mean, I like, I well, the premise of that is that he's like not already on a one-year contract and like kind of coaching for his job all season. Like, I don't think those two games this season make or break how we feel about Mike McCarthy. And I think it would be totally he could coach very well over the next four weeks and still come out of it being three, four, and one. Yeah, well, And I don't think that that would ruin his season. And to, fe- to defend Peter's point, he's not saying that they need to win those games, but he's saying that he, they need to show something in as far as scheme and preparedness. Yeah, I mean, they should show that they are on par. They're, they're a good enough team to lose well to the Rams and the Patriots on the road. I think that's a fair assessment. That's what I sign up for every Sunday. Um, <laughs> hashtag lose well. But I think that he could call a great game and they could still be three, three, four, and one. Uh, yeah, in two weeks from or four weeks from now. No, I think it literally is showing something. I think it's like okay, we 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 added to the offense, right? We have some new stuff. You're playing the Rams, the NFL's best team so far, and you're playing at Bill Belichick, someone who in the past you have had some of your most creative game plans against. So let's do that again. I like the idea of playing at Bill Belichick. Yeah, well, that's what they you're yeah. playing at. You're, it's no longer Tom well, Brady. It's, it's, He's pretty uninspiring. It's just Bill's it's, house. It's, and it's Bill true Belichick. also that you know. Patriots have been known to have some questionable uh, goings on when it comes to home field advantages. So yeah, it's like oh, suddenly the the prepare for your headset work. to get out, yeah. go out, yeah. prepare for a lot of those things. That kind of shit happens. But I mean, I again, I I'm really excited for that. It's off a bye, so you're coming out at least healthier than you are right now, and it's your best two tests probably that you're going to get this season. With the week off, you're theoretically more prepared coming out. Than, right, than you would yeah. otherwise be. Yeah, like the second you're done with that Niners game, which I mean, really, is a win. You're 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 preparing for McVeigh, who's going to throw a lot of wrinkles at you. Well, yeah. that's and that's really what it is. Is is what's exciting to me is is Mike Pettin's defense capable of holding up in the 2018 NFL like offensive explosion? And and we haven't really seen the Packers up against one of these defenses or offenses yet. But in yeah. terms of creative scheming, like why do I trust him more than McCarthy now? Like no, Pettin totally. is like the one guy I'm like, okay, you know what, I can live with that. Like yeah, like so far this season, and I just want to see like Will Rogers and I. I mean, I don't know if it's unfair to say that they're not on the same page, but I feel like it is. Like there's a reason that we're sitting here and no, I feel Rogers like is fair. doing things like. That he do, like great players don't do, yeah. but like, I just also, making stupid mistakes or not making decisions that seem like they're so obvious. In, in part, his part defense, of me feels like we have this conversation five games into the season every. Game no, but it always, season. we always do though. Yeah. But no, like, I, I wonder. It's probably always a thing. He's still playing relatively statistically like close to career average. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna go there, then I think we have to go back to raid stats are bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Like convert Fair. when you need to convert. Fair. And don't rack up four hundred and fifty yards in garbage time against you yeah. know. A I got your hackles defense. up. No, yeah. I'm just saying, like you know, if you're gonna miss 
Jimmy Graham wide open on a convertible, you know, first down play. Yeah. Yeah. Like make the plays. Make the plays when they matter. Don't make big chunk yardage. All right. Niners, Packers. Niners, Packers. Packers Nin- are almost they're nine and a half point favorites. At, well, I mean they're home. The 49ers are falling apart, literally, figuratively, and physically. Yeah, here yeah. D- you know, when we first sat down, we were all very surprised to see the line nine and a half. Now we've just talked in a circle about how the Packers actually on any given Sunday can be a very good football team, and yet you're surprised that they're nine and a half point favorites. I just feel like every I, I, I feel like in the NFL, unless you're the Rams or the Chiefs right now, every point spread should be one a one score game. Like seriously, like it's just like how has anyone proven that they're a two score favorite over anybody? Maybe this is an NFL where the Bills can beat anybody. Well, it's just maybe so you know. Weird. Yeah, but the Bills have the guy at starting at quarterback that they want to have starting at quarterback. I mean, CJ Beathard well, right, is nobody's fair. idea. Of, yeah, maybe, with Garoppolo, the Packers are what three three point favorites two and a half. just because they're at home. Yeah, maybe the like difference here this week is that uh, whatever sort of backroom Vegas debt that Mason Crosby had last week that had him missing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all those kicks. <laughs> he's clearly he's clearly you know he's he's paid up. So I do have to have say that I'm glad, I'm glad he took a kick at the end and broke the curse oh, of the yeah. Bambino. Like, I was kind of hoping for that all they day. They freaked like, out about that. do They're not like, go into the game next week with all the pressure of the world on your shoulders. On the broadcast, they were like, this is such an amazing coaching move, like, just giving him this to go into next week with. And I mean, if he like, would have missed, it would have been a nightmare. Like, like <laughs> no. I would be spending all like there, week. There's risk involved in that. Like, yes, yeah. it is a good move. Like, okay, go make this. But, like, nothing was makeable on the day. Like, you could have just added a fifth field goal and made them feel even worse. But uh, anyway, I, I think the Packers get this win Do you think going they into the bye the week. That's a lot of points, to, lot of points. to cover. Um, but I did just say they're capable of blowing anybody out. And, I mean, I, uh, so much weird shit happened for them to lose the way they lost to Detroit. Like, I'd like to say that doesn't happen again. Pretend I've just given you... A free $20 bill okay. to bet on this game. I mean, I rarely ever bet on anybody winning that big unless it's the Patriots against an absolute garbage team. So I I would... The Packers are going to win. Okay. But if we're picking Fair. against the spread, I I, okay. I still think I'd take the, the Niners. That's just a lot of points yeah. for an offense that it looks really weird right now. Yeah, I think the Packers will win as well. I also think the Packers will win. Uh, and whatever. I mean, just to keep it fun, I'll take them against the spread. Yeah. Anyway. Um, cool. Uh, do we have a pick em update? I think that you did pretty well, right, uh, Zach? Well, let's pull up the ledger and take a look. All right, the APC Podcast Listener Pick'em League. We are a few weeks in, and Nick Varley staying strong in first place. He is followed closely by Matthew Cook in second place. Lauren Summers hanging around currently in third, and Glenn Hintz still in the top five. And uh, yes, I miraculously have broken into the top five. This has never, ever, ever in the history of me picking games happened before. <laughs> I am somehow, at least temporarily, not a moron. I'm sharing fifth place with uh, with Kyle Clifton. Alex Patakis, you move from 32nd, or 33rd <laughs> rather, to 32nd with Ben Foldy plummeting. Yes! <laughs> His fall from grace sees him in 37th place. And that is the... Uh, is that last place? No, we got about 50 people. Okay, uh, again, cool. yeah. uh, actually, really quickly, a shout out 
Um, to all the people who signed up, it's really cool that there's like 50 people in the world who every week are doing this thing that takes time yeah. and effort. You know every, what I've, every other week. In you know what case. I've been? Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for just not picking. That's what it took for me to climb one spot in our uh, in our rankings. We had someone join um, last week. So the more you don't pick, the, the higher up they go. So I was going to say on the you. point of like being like just like, wow, that's really cool. Like I feel like for three or four straight weeks, we've had somebody tweet at us that they're in New York watching the that's game. That's true. They're going to go to Tom and Jerry's, Shout which is out. the place we watch except now uh when i wake up feeling like shit and i feel like that happened to you as well zach yeah was it uh, anna last week this I week home. yeah shout out to anna awesome. who i had a very enjoyable time watching the game with nice well if you're in the new york area you're gonna be tom and jerry's is a spot oh how many brats was it are they it back a, on their brat game it was a three brat day for me yeah, last there was a lot of there. stress was eating a, brats. there was a shortage last was time i was tough. there it was plenty of brats yeah um all right uh get at us again on twitter at zach rapport at ben foldy at alex Patakis at the apc pod the APC podcast at gmail.com is where you can hit us up. We want to thank Chad for engineering the show and uh, the fine folks at the Craig Newmark School of Journalism for letting us come in here and we are talk folks. a bunch of BS about the Packers each and every week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. The APC pod. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.